Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to Explain It to Me. <laughs> Molly's got a little dance ready. Uh, today we're talking about episode seven of The Rings of Power, titled The Eye. Uh, with me, as always, is Molly. How are you? I'm good. Co- <laughs> and, cozy Sunday vibes over here. And our resident uh, Tolkien expert, Ashton. How are you doing, Ashton? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. How did you like the episode? Uh, I liked it a lot. Dive right in. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm continuing to enjoy trying to figure out like what adjustments they're making to the story that I already am familiar with. You know, um, like we were talking about last time. You know, there's there's always changes when they adjust to a different medium, like a TV show, and it's just kind of fun to figure out what exactly they are and aren't changing. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely have some questions written down. Molly and I put a list together beforehand, but Molly, what did you think of the episode? I liked it. Uh... We waited a day or two to watch it. We didn't watch it on Friday, but uh, I remember seeing people say that it was like kind of slow. And obviously after the episode before that, it was not going to be as exciting, but I thought it had some really good character moments and like developments in the story. Uh, I'm a lot more interested in Duran's stuff right now. Uh and yeah, I don't know who that crazy priestess is, but I want to know why they're so mean. <laughs> yeah, they were mean. Uh, Just... I felt the same way in the sense that, yeah, it was slower than the last episode. And, and going into it, we had heard some people say like, oh, this one's not as good. And I mean, I guess I didn't like it as much as episode six, but I, I still liked it a lot. Uh, this one had one of the most emotional moments of the show for me, I think. But uh, so now that we're back to all the various storylines, Ashton, what is your favorite storyline to focus on in this series so far? I mean, everything with the dwarves is, is, has been my favorite in this show. It's just, it, it's the portrayal of Durin, like the younger Durin in the show is so good. And like every scene that he's in, I feel like he steals it for me. Um, from him lying about the table earlier to um, 
yeah, his emotional scene with his father in this episode, like he's just been fantastic the entire way through. Okay. And Molly, you would agree. Is that your favorite storyline of the bunch or just in the past episode? Just for this episode, I think. Cause like, I, I like him a lot. I like his wife a lot too. Like I, I love all of their scenes together. They have really good chemistry. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm ready for his dad to like die. Cause he's <laughs> being a big, huge bummer right now. <laughs> well then let, let, since uh, both of you love that one. And I, I really like the dwarf stuff too. And I, I segmented my questions out into the various storylines. So uh, yeah, this seems like one of those cases where they are going to compress the timeline. And I'm wondering if in the books, like did Durin the third have the usual animosity towards the elves and did Durin the fourth just have to wait him out? (laughs) Like when the timeline isn't compressed and he's like, "Ah, I can wait a couple hundred years until my dad is dead. And honestly, that's not going to happen. Or obviously, that won't happen in the show. But well, so in the books, they're like, it's it's a little different because we don't we don't have the details on like which dwarves were kings in this time period, uh, and it's kind of actually weird for there to be two different dwarves named Durin at the same time based on mm. the the book. Uh, interpretation because the dwarves um Durin's folk that clan of dwarves have a tradition that um every once in a while one of their uh kings will be so like their forebearer Durin that it's actually him reincarnated and they'll name that dwarf Durin so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for two of them to be named Durin at the same time but at the same time for the show they've had this whole thing of they have their secret uh their secret names that they only share with their family. So maybe that's where they are only named Durin if, you know, if Mm. they fit that or, or something like that. I mean, there's ways of explaining it. It's also, I mean, maybe he and his father both are just like different aspects of Durin and they're both worthy of being named that. And that's why, but Elrond kind of hints that maybe his grandfather was also named Durin. So I don't know, maybe that's just a tradition of the dwarves of Khazad-dûm at this time period you know, that their their kings are always named Durin to outsiders or something like that, you know. Yeah. In the in the books, was it something where they would name a baby Durin, or did they wait until they did something cool and they were like, ah, oh, no, we'll we'll change your name. Um, I don't think that it was really specified, like whether it was like <laughs> something where they could just tell at like infancy, like, oh yeah, this dwarf's gonna be Durin for sure. This one looks exactly you know? like Durin. I think it was probably something that was a name that was given to them later in life, like when they became king or something along those lines, you know. The yeah, the secret names just makes me think of Usador. That I thought Ma- exactly Magic that. Tavern. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Elrond, I have secret names. And I was like, names of such power that yeah. if they were to be uttered. <laughs> Dale Sparkles Leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was going to share his name with Elrond because I, I got the sense that he was calling Elrond his brother in that moment. And then he basically straight up says that to his father later. Um, I mean, Elrond stopped him from doing mm -hmm. that. I mean, I think that's what he was about to say um, for sure. But um, Elrond stopped him, assuming that they would be able to finish their project. But then bummers, you know, they weren't able to. (laughs) (laughs) So Durin the fourth, the main, the prince Durin, he's the one that eventually builds 
the door, right? The door of Durin to Moria? Uh, yeah, I mean, presumably, yeah. Because that is that why you speak an elvish word to enter? Cause yeah, he was because he was friendlier it, with the elves? Yeah, in the books, they, they go into the fact that at the time when Celebrimbor was making the rings, that Aregion and the dwarves were on really good terms. And so they actually created that gate specifically for um, the trade that was happening between the elves of Aregion and the dwarves. Um, cool. And Mithril was used in creating that door because that's where they get the, um, the you know... Uh, the glowing script that can only be seen in moonlight. Yeah, fielding. Mm. So, does that are, are we setting things up for uh, Durin the Third to to be killed or to die soon? Because, or or is he gonna find uh, common ground with his son? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> well, what do you what do you <clears throat> think is gonna happen? Um, I mean, I think that. I think that he probably will die, but hopefully he has like a moment where he and his son kind of find common ground, you know, like maybe his son's going to go into exile for a while or something Mm. because he removed his, his crest and told him that it wasn't his anymore. So maybe he's going to be banished or something and we'll get to see some Durin adventures elsewhere. (laughs) And then he comes back when his father is, you know, ill or something. He took his little metal bib away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that seems like that's why you don't name a baby Durin. If if they're gonna upset you down the line, you don't want to have to take the name back. But mm-hmm. it's too late. Like you, you named that baby Durin, and now it has to be a great king eventually. That Maybe that's sucks. just what it says on that bib thing. It's like, hi, my name's Durin. Kuzdul. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sucks though, because like you literally can't make a name for yourself if you're like dwarven royalty seems like yeah i mean if if that's what they're doing where they're always naming their kings durin <laughs> well i guess that's confusing. why they have the secret names <laughs> but i mean if he's only the third and the fourth i don't know, I don't know. it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is a new line of durin's short line no it's it's durin 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 doreen the dwarf doreen <laughs> <laughs> so the end of this episode when uh, we saw the leaf go all the way down to the end of the mines and everything, and we got our first look at the Balrog, which I assume is Durin's Bane, the Balrog. Um, I, I feel like I've had you explain this to me before, like just for Lord of the Rings sake, but how did that Balrog get there? What is it just chilling? Like, <laughs> so what's it up to? <laughs> so when, when Morgoth was defeated in, uh, in the war, um, he had, a varying, depending on what what book you're going off, a varying number of Balrogs that were in his service. Um, in Tolkien's original writings, there were a lot of them. And then in his later notes, there were just a handful. Um, and uh, so generally people kind of go by the later notes. Um, but when he was defeated in, at the end of the war, the Balrogs all scattered and hid and uh, find, found places to hide or were hunted down by the Valar. And so this one in particular um, evidently um, hid in the roots of the Misty Mountains, which either it, you know, uh, either there were tunnels that went from uh, Morgoth's stronghold all the way to the bottoms of the Misty Mountains, or he actually just, you know, 
I was about to say flu, but that would start an entire <laughs> other debate. Um, he <laughs> went all the way to the Misty Mountains and then got down there somehow. Well, in Middle um, Earth, fly can mean just run really fast. So true. The the yeah. size and shape of Balrogs <laughs> is a point of, of copious discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting that it matched very much what we recognized from Lord of the Rings, since there is this whole like iffy legal debate about <laughs> how close they can be. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where they, um, based on what's in the books, it, it makes sense for them to be able to move through hallways and things like that, that were in Casa Doom um, that were like dwarf sized. So it makes sense for them to actually be more like person sized if they want hmm. to be, or at least to be able to like slip through openings like that. I mean, they're made of shadow and flame. So maybe they can just slip through things like a cat, you know, and like just get yeah. through really easily. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> this Balrog has been hiding there since the first age, uh, is presumably going to be the downfall of Moria at some point during this series. And then it just stays hidden there again for another two and a half thousand years until the fellowship shows up. Well, after it, after it um, brings about the downfall of, of Kaza, of the actual kingdom of Kaza doom, it doesn't exactly go back into hiding. It's kind of like staked its claim on Moria at that point. Okay. Um, and there are expeditions of dwarves that go back and try to reclaim it, but they inevitably get like, you know, destroyed either by the Balrog or the orcs that come to live there as well. I was just wondering if this is actually the most cowardly Balrog in the world, because it's just been hidden there for thousands and thousands of years. Like, I think it's just that the Balrog doesn't have a whole lot of like motivation to do anything else. I mean, his, like their purpose was to serve Morgoth and Morgoth's gone. Hmm. Um, they don't have the same ambition that Sauron has. And would they, they would follow Sauron, I would presume. Well, they're kind of equals to Sauron because they're mm. both Maiar. So uh, maybe Sauron with the ring could like convince a Balrog to help him, but it wouldn't. It, he would have a hard time getting it to actually be subservient to him, probably. Huh. Okay. The, so Balrog's on the. Oh, go ahead, Molly. Does the Balrog mind if the orcs are there with him? Um. It. It kind of seems like he just it tolerates the orcs being there. Like from from what we see especially in the movie, like we get the sense that the orcs are terrified of the Balrog and it just kind of comes around and probably just like squishes them when it's like, when it feels like it. And uh -huh. so they just kind of keep their distance, but they, you know, just kind of stay away from it. <laughs> yeah. They have the same boss. That's, that's about, that's about it. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It just seems like it's getting bored down there and it needs some way to let out some stress. So it just goes up and pummels some orcs and then goes back to sleep. <laughs> I do think it's interesting this whole I, the the mithril helping heal the elves and all that uh I I think we talked about how that's not really from the books or anything but I do kind of like this idea that the the dwarves delve too greedily and too deep but it's kind of like it it's partially on the behalf of the elves and it that that seems like it might not be a very fair thing to say about the downfall of Khazad Doom when Saruman says it. Yeah, that's that's kind of a uh, that that's been kind of a discussion online about the show too. Is hoping that they don't make it into a you know the, the dwarves decided to help the elves and so then they got themselves destroyed on accident. It's like it is more compelling if it is actually because of just a natural tendency of dwarves to mm -hmm. um, 
you know, continue to be industrious and mine and make things and like it kind of gets away from them. Yeah. So what do you think of Durin the third and his like he seems really, really hesitant to mine Mithril, even without the the elves. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious why he's so hesitant. Like, does he know something beyond what he's letting on? Because um, he seems like really against this whole Mithril mining project, even though there are a lot of reasons to to try it. So, yeah, that's kind of curious. I mean, maybe he's just being extremely protective of his people and doesn't want them to do this dangerous project. But I don't know. It seems like it might be something more than that. Yeah, it seems I, like he just doesn't want the whole entire mountain to collapse. But yeah, it seems like there's more to it than that. I mean, I liked the the argument he and Durin had about uh, how he stifles his son's ambition unless it like he won't let me do anything unless it comes from your head first. So maybe he's just like resistant to his son kind of spearheading this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Oh, also, uh, speaking of Durin, um, we, we got another sort of Easter egg in one of those scenes where we saw an axe in the background, and mm. everybody online seems to think that that's Durin's axe, which was like a relic that the original Durin was actually his axe that was kept in Khazad Doom at this point in time. Ooh. So maybe that's what that was, because it seemed like it was kind of like on display Cool in the background of that one scene. Nice. Well, I liked uh, the uh, the humor between Durin and, and Elrond. Just like they have such good chemistry too. It's like it's it's just refreshing to see them still kind of joking around a little bit. Like they was joking about being winded when they had their little contest. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I kind of had actually thought that when they had their contest before, it seemed like Elrond kind of gave up yeah. for on purpose, you know, and let him win. So I was curious when that was gonna come up. Also, yeah. did Durin is are we supposed to think he has asthma? There was like that whole story about him as a baby, and oh. then he oh, was yeah. like really winded uh, when he was with Elrond. I don't know. Maybe that's how they can tell when a baby's supposed to be named Durin. Maybe Durin famously had <laughs> asthma. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's just like they all have the bad lungs from breathing in whatever they're chipping away at constantly. <laughs> but actually, I guess maybe that's like. You know, when when they have that like a vision of the of a you know new, you know, royal dwarf having like this future where he saw like the, you know, vision of him becoming a great king, that's how they know that he mm-hmm. should be another Durin. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh well do either of you have anything else you want to talk about from the dwarven storyline? I don't think so. All right. I thought that the whole thing with the leaf was pretty cool. How it actually, like, they they got proof that the mithril would actually do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still curious how exactly that works, because that's a new invention of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I also really want someone to recreate the scene of the leaf falling all the way to the down of, the bottom of Moria with a bucket instead. You know, like from the well. <laughs> like Pippin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> falling all the way down <laughs> to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And just pissing off the Balrog. That, that makes Balrog a lot more sense down there. <laughs> to, to, as to what would actually wake up a Balrog. Not a leaf, yeah. but a bucket. Well, even <laughs> a leaf. Like, throwing things very, through his windows. Very light sleeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the bucket was like, no, this cannot stand. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious, though, if that's going to be the extent of what we see with the Balrog this season. Or, or because, like, it seems like a lot of work for them to go ahead and, like, create that special effect Balrog without having plans of, of using it more. But at the same time, this is way too early, based, based on the book timeline. It's way mm-hmm. too early for Durin's Bane to actually wipe out Moria. So yeah. Yeah, I think they just showed us that to be like, look who's down there. Uh oh. I feel like it's gonna be a future season thing. I don't I don't think it will happen again this season. Mm-hmm. But I mean they've they've basically committed to doing five seasons of this show no matter what. So Yeah. So I guess it'll happen at some point in the show. <laughs> yeah. So I think they're just getting it ready and being like we all know you know what's down there. And here's just a little <laughs> reminder that that we haven't forgotten. Yeah. And it's coming. Uh, oh, that feels like a good segue into something else that uh, popped up in this episode from Lord of the Rings. Um, but going over to the Southland and all that with Galadriel, uh, I was surprised that she mentioned Celeborn. I was under the impression that they just hadn't met yet. Yeah, that was a big surprise. That's, again, an invention of the show that he was, um, you know, went to battle and was lost. So, I'm, I mean, obviously, he's not, like, actually dead forever. Like, he's in the movies, he's in the books later, you know. That would be a massive change in the story for Galadriel's character. Um, and like Elrond's character because he <laughs> marries their daughter. But um <laughs> mm-hmm. like I'm curious where they're going to go with that. Like if they're going to have him have been, you know, captured for the last 1000 years or if he's or if he actually got killed and then he comes back sort of like Glorfindel mm. or something. What what do we know about his history? Um I mean, not a whole lot. Like we know how he's related to other elves. He's I want to say a Sindar elf. Um, and um, he doesn't really do a whole lot else. He's on the White Council later with, you know, Gandalf and Galadriel. Um, that's pretty much that's it. That's it? <laughs> I mean, pretty <laughs> so much. They had, they had some wiggle room that they could just kind of make something up for his history. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they could definitely invent some backstory for him beyond what we already know, and it wouldn't necessarily be too crazy i kind of like the idea i don't know if this isn't their intention but i like the idea of gladriel being like yeah he was lost haven't seen him since then because she like had stuff she wanted to do like she wasn't ready to really settle down yet yet maybe so she's like yeah i don't know maybe i mean she's been running around like you know the frozen north and all sorts of places looking for sauron this whole time yeah, but that's like that's like her obsession. So mm-hmm. she's like husband, schmusband. I don't know. I got a I got a mission. Well, yeah, it's interesting that they haven't mentioned him until now. They they made a big deal about her brother and that being her driving force uh, to find Sauron. But now she's bringing up Celeborn. So yeah, I'm interested in all of that <laughs> and and why why she wouldn't have had him as part of her motivation from the start. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, seems to be a lot of characters in this world that are lost and people just assume they're dead. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, <clears throat> it, when, when Morgoth was defeated in the, at the beginning or the end of the first age, like most of the 
like elven kingdoms were sunk to the bottom of the ocean. So a lot of people were Good just Lord. like gone, you know. Hmm. Were they all just like on the coast? Or were they islands? <laughs> um, it was a whole big section of the continent called Valerian, which was um, okay. That pretty sounds familiar. Large piece of the map. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> where everything in the first age happens, pretty much. Um, and then it, it's kind of interesting because then it means that like whatever happens in the second age, it's kind of like it explains why there's not ancient cities everywhere. You mm-hmm. know, like elves have been here for thousands of years, but the reason that you don't see you know, ruins everywhere or ancient cities that have already been established for thousands of years is because the place where all of those cities were is now at the bottom of the ocean. Oh my God. So <laughs> Tolkien just loves to sink places. He does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to get rid of this. Fill well, when water. you, when you don't have like lots of different planets and locations to go to, you got to kind of <laughs> yeah. make your own clean slate somehow. Well, it's kind of an interesting like reset button too, because it lets you say, okay, now the second age is happening and, you know, humans are kind of coming to the fore and they're setting up completely new settlements. They're not building on top of elven ruins most of the time because they are all, you know, sunk to the bottom of the sea, but still they're able to set up their cities in geographically like advantageous places and nobody's lived there before because it wasn't the coast before, you know? Mm. <laughs> So, yeah, let's go on to the rest of the Southland story. We have uh, Tarmiriel, who is blind now. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're they're all going back to Numenor. I'm really interested in the fact that they're, like Molly said, they're just assuming a Sealdor is gone, uh, which, fair assumption, but, like, we know, obviously, he's not. And so he's just going to get left behind. No one thought Uh, to follow the the horse. Yeah, the the horse horse is, like, (laughs) basically being Lassie of, like... (laughs) I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. And they just let the horse go. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that it's going to go find Isildur, you know? Yeah. Sort of and no one to... followed the horse. Like, yeah. Melendil could have gotten on the horse and be like, what is it? Take me to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where's the trouble? <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I'm interested to see, assuming Isildur is just left behind on Middle-earth, and Numenor already said they're going to come back, but what's he going to do on his own? Well, I mean, they did explain that like new, they're leaving a, a group behind to search for the rest of their yeah. missing people, um, including Isildur. So I'm guessing he's probably going to fall in with them. Um, the rest of the Southlanders are going to Pelargir, which is a, a Numenorean colony. Um, that's the place where, in Return of the King, it's the place where Aragorn um, takes over the pirate ships with the oh, cool. army of the dead. That's Pelargir is like where that happens. Okay, um, I was going to ask about that. So it's like downriver from Gondor, what will eventually be Gondor. So, is it um, affiliated with? I think was it Dol Amroth? Is that the other people that are in the book Return of the King? Um, uh, that's another like, that's another sort of like fiefdom that exists within Gondor um, later on, but I don't think that it's a thing yet at this point. Okay, in the story so. All right. So that's cool, though, to know that Pelagir is like now I geographically know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So there, so those Southlanders are going there to probably repopulate a Gondorian colony that was previously or maybe there's already people living there and they're just going to like join that colony. But it does kind of they've, they've established now that there are 
Numenorian, I think I said Gondor, Numenorian colonies in Middle Earth, um, at least former colonies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see how they handle that. But that is something from the books that the Numenorians established these like coastal colonies in Middle Earth. Um, and they would visit periodically. Um, but like to the, to the like low men, as they were calling them earlier in the show of Middle Earth, the Numenorians are almost like demigods or something because mm. they live for an extremely long period of time. They're technologically advanced. They show up in these boats that can sail in the ocean and the people that live in Middle Earth are like, what's going on? You know, like to them, <laughs> it's a, a kind of crazy thing that the Numenorians even exist. Mm-hmm. So at I least like in the, the books, idea. we'll see how it happens yeah. in the show. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of them. So they're going to go back to Numenor and, but Tarmiel is like, this isn't over. We're going to come back to middle earth. And I can really see how the, like even Ellen deal was upset that at what happened and I'm sure he'll stay on her side, but I can see Alpharazon really easily turning this around and being like, you just lost a bunch of people fighting some other war. You failed completely and you want to go back and maybe like she has a hand in starting to build uh, mm-hmm. Gondor and all of their little cities. Well, and, I kind of, uh, I kind of have a feeling... being back, like, like pissed that that's happening. Yeah. I kind of have a feeling that Elendil might end up being kind of against the idea of going back, at least for a little while, you know, cause right now he's assuming that Isildur is dead and that their, you know, expedition into middle earth is the reason why. And he kind of like was blaming Galadriel for the whole thing. I think that he might end up being kind of like against the idea. And if we remember earlier in the season, his daughter was against them going to middle earth. So I think when he gets back to Numenor, either she's still going to be against the idea and be like, Hey, I told you so this is why, or maybe she kind of comes around and ends up helping him decide to, you know, I'm assuming at some point they'll find out that his Ildor is, is mm-hmm. in middle earth waiting for them to come back, you know, or something along those lines. But I kind of think Elendil might be kind of uh, not on board, so to speak, for a while. Uh, yeah, I can see that too. I'm kind of I'm... hopeful that Asildur has his own little adventures on his own for a minute, just trying to survive. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved the scene. Well, first of all, it, Tarmiriel is, is another like really captivating character, and I loved her stuff with Galadriel, where she's like, savior pity elf, like... <laughs> But then they have this like almost like a the predator handshake. <laughs> that's that's what I got that was implied of like we're gonna do this. And Gladriel's like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Yeah, and... I, I thought that that moment was really cool too. Also, Galadriel in this episode was was really um I really liked what they did with her character in this in this episode because it was like she got kind of taken down a notch because her whole plan really blew up and literally blew up in everyone's faces. <laughs> and so she's kind of, and that was happening right after she kind of got schooled by Adar about how she was like really sounding like not a good person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it was interesting to hear her be a little more like subdued and, and wise in this episode instead of so aggressive. Yeah. And I liked her stuff with the kid Theo is that his mm-hmm. name? Like the two of them kind of like having their own little side story conversation. Like she gives him the, the sword and everything. That was cute. I liked yeah. that. She definitely well, has I like Galadriel from Lord of the Rings esque words of wisdom for Theo. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked them both working through their like, this is my fault uh, syndrome of yeah. her being like, you got to, oh, what was the, there was a line I meant to write down uh, that she said each war is fought from within and without that like th- there's the the physical fighting, um, but within each person, they have to fight with themselves to not become a complete villain like Adar was accusing her of doing, but to look at the heart of a person and be like, Theo, you didn't mean for that to happen. You did that because you were trying to save people, not uh, blow up the, <laughs> the whole countryside, mm-hmm. uh, but trying to get him to let go of that guilt, I thought was a good scene. Yeah, that was really neat. Um, and, and I've seen a lot of criticism online about Galadriel specifically, um, in this show and people criticizing that she seems like a different character than from Lord of the Rings. And I think it's just because it's earlier in her arc and we're seeing things like this happen that are evolving her towards the character that we're familiar with, which is, is cool to see. I, I like that it's a, um, that we're not just getting a carbon copy of the character we already knew from the get go. Yeah, I mean, that's how it should be. The, the elves aren't the same people they were when they were born, I assume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't they they change over the course of thousands of years. It's just like Yoda. Yoda is different in the prequels than he is in the original trilogy. Yeah. And that's because people change well, <laughs> slowly, but they do. Too, like, she doesn't even have her ring yet. Like, there's a lot still that's got to happen for her. And so, like, her the version of her that we see in the Lord of the Rings movies is like there's so much has happened to her after and all I, this. And I we talked about it last week, but I, I love how much more I'm understanding of what she went through in the first and second ages. And it makes that moment where she passes the test in Lord of the Rings. I'm like, all right, I understand why that was such a big deal now. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happens in the Southlands? I think uh, the only other big thing was uh, Adar uh, talking to the orcs and stuff, and then they literally showed the, the the text of the Southlands burning away to be Mordor. So that was cool. That, that is, it is officially called Mordor now, and they yeah. said something like, "What should we call it?" And he he didn't name it, but I was kind of like, "Would Sauron be upset that Adar named his?" <laughs> his realm yeah (laughs) because they don't seem like they ended on good terms Mm -hmm. yeah the only only other wanted to change it but it it had already stuck it's too late yeah the only other thing that happened in the southlands um story this episode was was halbrand getting injured and galadriel explaining that he needs elvish medicine which kind of made me kind of be like well okay but earlier we were talking about how there's not really elvish medicine because they just heal from everything so it made me think like what what exactly is Elvish medicine? In <laughs> like, are they going to play him a song to make him like happy and he'll be fine? Or, like... <laughs> They're going to plant some more of those seeds in in his wound and <laughs> the then light yeah, on yeah. fire. Our <laughs> <laughs> endears like, I got this. Yeah, that's the one. That's their only solution for getting stabbed. <laughs> they just need Athalas. That's all I know. Get mm-hmm. some king's foil and you're you'll be good. Oh yeah. Also, um, fun fact: the seeds that they set on fire and everything—that's the same flower that's on the Rohirrim, uh, oh, like the, cool. the 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 graves in Rohan in Lord of the Rings. Sim- symbol Luna. Yeah, something like that. Symbol Luna. I think I, I think that's what it was. But the the seeds are specifically the same plant. Oh, cool. That's cool. 
So they're going to Eregion. That's where Celebrimbor is and Gilgalad. Yes. Yeah, she's and... taking Halbrand to Eregion, which uh, for anyone who is subscribing to the Halbrand is Sauron theory, that would make sense on how he gets there, I guess. But I still am not convinced on that. I, uh... I'm not either, but the, like things keep popping up that I'm like, hmm. But also, so he needs elvish medicine, so they're going to ride across the continent on horse. Like, he's been grievously stabbed. And I guess. <laughs> and he's like, shake it off, I'm, I'm out of here, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right after that, we saw him just, like, walk out, like, yep, okay. And then, I mean, when he got on the horse, he looked like he was in some pain. But yeah, I don't know, I guess that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> he's just putting on a brave face. Uh, mm-hmm. But, it like, if that's fine for him, and he doesn't show any like that that's another thing where i'm like that's a little suspicious halbrand that you can just shake off a wound like that and also he got wounded like completely off screen like we didn't see what happened to him and he was just found on the road yeah there's definitely some sort of suspicious things going on with his story for sure but i don't know that that was one side of this episode that i was just i wish we got to see a little bit more of arendir and bronwyn and what happened to all the people. But I think that was also the point to keep that tension up of, we know where Theo is, but we have no idea if the rest of his family survived. I do want to see how many more times they can, they can fake us out about Bronwyn being dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's happened a couple of times now. Yeah. To be fair, <laughs> she seemed fine too. She, she had those seeds burned into her and now she's walking around. just yeah, fine. True. <laughs> so maybe everyone just has magic plot armor in this show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we get to next episode and Halbrand kicks in the door of Celebrimbor's little office, he's like, you know what we need is some rings. <laughs> then, like, we'll then we'll know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get into predictions for next episode and all of our who is Sauron and who is the stranger in a second. But we should talk about the Harfoot stuff, uh, which I still really enjoy the Harfoots. Uh, I missed them last episode, but I've always loved... Uh, the hobbits and the Shire and everything like they feel like the heart of Middle Earth. And even though I think the Harfoots are uh, a little bit brutal and uh, willing to just leave people behind, <laughs> I still really liked their scenes. Yeah, I enjoyed their their part of the show quite a bit this episode. Um, the also getting to see the stranger do more more magic. Um, also, I don't know anytime that they. Um, that they use any of the, you know, Tolkien languages. I'm just kind of like, it pulls me into the story. So I always love hearing them like use, use the actual Elvish words and that sort of stuff. So that's always Is that when he was mm-hmm. casting that spell on the tree? Yeah. Well, and also the thing with Elrond saying uh, about, instead of saying goodbye, saying Namarie, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Or like when Galadriel was talking to her horse in the previous episode, those sorts of things just make me immediately sort of nostalgic for the original trilogy. And, uh the books so yeah i feel like the harfoots just they need to communicate a little bit better because they were like maybe he can use his magic and fix this tree and like he did but because those kids got in the way and like just happened to be stuck under like a the part of the tree that fell down they were like they just like shunned him out of town and then (laughs) the next morning they're like get out of here the next morning they're like, Oh look, he did it. Great. Yay. Yay for us. 
<laughs> also, talk about some bad luck. That like the place that they were going on this giant road trip to get to just so happened to be the place that a rock from Mount Doom flew literally like ages away and happened to <laughs> land on that well, we one know. grove. We're we're like east of the Anduin, right? <laughs> yeah, they're basically like maybe just south of of Mirkwood or Greenwood the Great. So I mean, they're pretty far away from Mordor. <laughs> Oh, that's right. They did say that. Oh, so, wait, so are they west of the Anduin, or is the Greenwood that big? I need to pull up a map. I should just have that on our <laughs> yeah. uh, stream yard thing. They're, they're basically just very far north of Mordor. <laughs> I I agree with, with this. Okay, okay, I see. Yeah, that, we were the saying way. the same thing. It's like, if he's doing magic, give him some space. They are <laughs> constantly all up in his business, and he's trying to, like, heal his arm with ice, like, back <laughs> off. And then he's trying to revitalize a whole tree. You don't have to be right underneath it. Everyone take a step back. You don't know what's going to happen. I it's feel not like his by, fault. I don't know how long he's been with them at this point, but I feel like by now he should know a few words in basic or English or whatever we want to call it. Well, he, he figured does. out a few because he had that conversation with her about him being a peril. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, use your words. <laughs> yeah, true. It's like, okay, you figured out like words like peril, but you haven't figured out words like back, back away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, oops, sorry, this will all be fine in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but maybe he didn't know. I don't know how much yeah. he... Don't, don't touch my frozen arm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess he was in kind of a trance or something at that point. Yeah. Uh, any new thoughts on who he is? Like, I, I, it's got to be a wizard at this point. I mean, it's either a wizard or Sauron, or it's someone <laughs> that we don't know at all. Um, you know, but... Um, I guess, you know, timeline-wise, maybe it could make sense for him to be one of the blue wizards. Um, because they showed up ahead of the rest of the wizards, oh. de depending on which notes you're going on. Uh, some of the time, Tolkien wrote that the blue wizards arrived with the other three. Sometimes he wrote that they arrived beforehand, around the same time that Glorfindel was sent. So, hmm. I, and, and that that makes sense to have a wizard in the show, but not one that there's a plenty of wiggle room on, since we know so little about them. Yeah, mm -hmm. not not Gandalf. This is the this is poor man's Gandalf. Yeah, <laughs> Gandalf for the casuals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope he is like a, a just a blue wizard because I I feel like they've really been hinting, or they they started out pretty heavily hinting that he might be Sauron with the the way that he showed up. But mm -hmm. I think you're right. I, like we need a we need a wizard. Well, I mean, it is also kind of curious why, like, the cultists are following him around. Yeah. Um, I I still kind of think that he's going to end up being Sauron, but, and that he's somehow, like, lost some of his memory or something like that. I mean, Adar talked about how Sauron, like, uh, if Adar can be trusted, he told Galadriel that Sauron made it his mission to try to heal Middle-earth for a while, which, in the books, Sauron did actually act like he was going to go, like, turn over a new leaf and be a good guy after Morgoth's defeat. So, I mean, maybe that's kind of what we're seeing, but the stranger with the Harfoots doesn't seem to be like trying to trick them. He seems to actually be um, 
confused. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Would that like be how a wizard would arrive to Middle Earth, though? Would they be confused? At, like, how did I get here? And what mm -hmm. is this place? Or would possibly. they know what their mission is? Um, I mean, possibly, because the the wizards, before they go to Middle Earth, they're Maiar. They're like sp powerful spirits. And then they have to take on this role of a wizard. They, they Their powers are severely limited. They're all of a sudden having to deal with things like being hungry and tired and like things that they have no uh, frame of reference for. And it, um, in some of the notes it sort of described like Gandalf's recollection of before he went to middle earth is kind of hazy, you know, because it was like him in another life, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I guess even so, when Gandalf the white comes back, he's like, Oh yeah, I was named Gandalf. <laughs> That's fun. Like he had to remember some <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> the so the the magic that the cultist lady uses. What what do we think they are? Who do we think they are? I mean, they could just be like human sorcerers because in like those are mentioned in in Lord of the Rings. You know, like the one of the. Um, things that Tolkien writes as a theory of what the blue wizards could have done is that they could have gone and started sorcery cults, you know, and things like that. Um, you know, like the witch King of Angmar is a sorcerer. Like there are people that can do magical things besides the Istari. Um, so maybe it could just be like some humans that have learned how to do some magic -y stuff. Yeah. They're just like, super mean about it though like they didn't know who the harfoots were and they're just like whatever i'm gonna set your whole camp on fire <laughs> <laughs> just being cruel it definitely so, yeah. it was it was almost humorously quickly how that happened too because yeah. it was like okay i'm gonna put your torch out and then light your whole town on fire like and it yeah. was just all of a sudden like a light switch going off <laughs> i mean they were they were being kind of greedy about like, oh, look, the stranger fixed all of the the trees for us. Let's pick every single apple and plant we can find and haul off with it. Yeah. I mean, That's maybe they were just really do. hungry from walking all that. Way. Sure. But I, yeah, I, I, the, how, how quickly they all of their stuff just <laughs> was turned to ash. I was like, oh, no. But yeah. I like I like the little group that ends up going off to find him in the end. Like I was yeah. excited to see those specific members together. Well, and presumably yeah. we'll get to see them actually interact with like humans. So I don't know if they're going to end up going to like a Brie esque kind of like community and getting to see kind of like hobbits interacting with humans will be interesting. Mm -hmm. um, if they speak the same language, even we don't really know. Um, mm. So, yeah. It definitely sounds like they're setting things up to to the point where they're protecting the stranger from the cult, which I've seen uh, Jesse calling them the cult of Melkor, wh whatever they are. Um, it, it definitely seems like the cult is out to hurt uh, the stranger, where at first I was like, maybe they're trying to track him down for their own purposes, which I guess they still could be, but they're setting it up to the Harfoots need to protect him. 
Yeah, or at the very least, they're like going to warn him that like people are after him. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, who knows? Like, if if the theory that he's Sauron ends up coming true, maybe they're just trying to reach him so they can unlock that part of him or something. You know, yeah. like remind him who he is or something. Or maybe they know that he's a wizard, and they're like, "That's a threat to Sauron coming back, and we're going to try to take him out." Could be. It so, seems awfully this... targeted. Like, there's a lot of things that would be threats for Sauron. Besides just, like, old we got to kill that guy in particular. Yeah. Hmm. So, it, it, is your gut still saying "Stranger is Sauron"? Yeah, is that that's, your kinda, favorite? that's still what I'm kind of thinking, but you know, I'm I'm not like sure of it. I'm still very open to the idea that I could be completely wrong. <laughs> so there's there's so much evidence to point towards it, so I do get it. Uh, I'm having a hard time figuring out how this person goes from like an amnesiac with the Harfoots to uh, let me teach you how to make rings, but. I, I guess it's possible. I, and and I, I like the humble beginnings of it all. Yeah. I like, I think I like the Halibrand theory a little bit better just because he's so much more mysterious. Well, I, he's not more mysterious than the stranger, but like there's been so many instances where we're kind of like, Oh, that's weird that we don't know how he got wounded or how bad it is. And like why he's still okay. And also I think it would be fitting for Galadriel to be like, no, I've been helping him this whole time. Damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, both, both arguments have that element to it that I like of the, you, know, you feel bad for the Harfoots who are just trying to help someone and same with Galadriel. Uh, I do think it's weird. And this is not a Halbrand thing. It's just kind of a Tolkien thing that, anyone comes back to a kingdom and they're like, hello, I'm your king. And everyone is just like, oh, thank God we've been waiting for you. Like, same thing with Aragorn. Uh, just how quickly everyone got on board with Halbrand. Uh, it was like, he he just walked up and he's like, yep, I'm the king that was promised. And they're like, huzzah! Well, I, just think I mean, it's a little fast. Yeah, to be fair with the Southlanders, though, like, the, the dissident group of Southlanders all went off to go join the orcs and got killed. So... <laughs> Except for that one guy, that one old dude. That's still, oh yeah, Waldreg like, is still around. Adar's hype man. Um... <laughs> I do like that Waldreg is still around because he seems like one of those characters that'll pop up, and you'll just be like, "Ugh, someone off this dude," and it'll finally <laughs> happen at the end. Yeah. Uh, he he seems like he's set up to be a a good and annoying character. Maybe he'll become the mouth of Sauron. Oh. <laughs> he's used to going around and you know speaking for people and stuff mouthing a, off yeah that's the one <laughs> he was a black Numenorian, wasn't he yeah was he was that... supposed to be a Numenorian, but also it's unclear like if he's like functionally immortal like the nazgul as like mm-hmm. as far as him not like dying of old age or if it's just extended a a good bit you know like he could be from like umbar fairly recently Mm. uh in lord of the rings but i don't know and and like in the books he's just a man right he he doesn't look all freaky (laughs) um i i'm i think that he was pretty messed up looking if i remember right 
but yeah, I don't think that he was probably as freaky looking as in the uh, in the movies. <laughs> I don't recall. It's been a long time since I've read the books. The, the, in the original, in the original plan Gideon. for when when they were designing that character for the movie, they originally were planning on having his mouth actually be sideways, like rotated like ninety degrees, uh, and then they decided that that was like too weird looking, and so they didn't do that particular CGI. Just make it a little bigger. Yeah, just make it like strangely large. I think Molly and I both. Oh, okay, I can hear again. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I have any other questions. We already, I was going to ask about the Greenwood and, and that's eventually Mirkwood, right? Yeah. Yeah. That becomes, well, it becomes, starts being called Mirkwood after Sauron goes there as the necromancer and starts like spreading darkness and werewolves and giant spiders around. <laughs> <laughs> when does that happen? Oh, much, much later. That, that's uh, like the Hobbit, right? Yeah. It's okay. It's it's before the Hobbit, but not like a whole lot before the Hobbit relative to other things that are happening in the show. Okay. Well, I, I don't have any other questions, so I guess we can just make some predictions about the the season finale. Uh, for a while, I thought there were ten episodes in this season, so I was kind of. I think two weeks ago, I realized there were only eight, and I was like, "Oh, damn, we're almost yeah. done." Each episode feels... is so long, though they get yeah. a lot done. That is true. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, yeah, that's true, and they have got a lot done. But it all, it also feels like there could be a whole other seven, eight episodes of stuff because, like, I have no idea how this season is going to end. Yeah, I think, I think that when they get back to Numenor, I think our Fer- or the, I think that Farazan is going to start making like moves to try to take more power for himself, especially with Muriel coming back blind and everything mm-hmm. um so if we even get any scenes from numenor next next episode we might not really see much numenor next episode because they're kind of wrapped up at this point with what they were trying to do kind of backfiring and everything um yeah. i could see the next episode mostly being about like the stranger and durin and elrond um and the harfoots mm. but do you, do you think we will get like a look this is sauron kind of a big neon sign that may the the characters won't know but something for the audience to be like okay maybe i mean if it's if it is the stranger like i kept saying like like i keep thinking it's possible that if the cult of melkor or whatever they are catches up with him and does whatever they're going to try to do maybe he like remembers his name and says that it's anatar or something like that mm-hmm. Um, could could happen, um, or okay. if it's Halbrand, maybe he gets there and he tells them that's his name, like his Elvish name or something that they can call him. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of people talk about the rings. Obviously, the show is called Rings of Power. How far away do you think we are from seeing the rings being cast? It it depends because if it's if it's one of the character if if Sauron is one of the characters that we've already been introduced to, then it's probably not going to happen next episode because we'll need Anatar to somehow get in contact with Celebrimbor, teach him how to make Rings of Power, and do it. I think I think that it's possible that we could get Celebrimbor like showing like here's my plan of what I'm going to do since we couldn't get a like 
truckload of mithril from the dwarves. I'm going to make these rings or something like that and like have like a drawing of some rings or something mm-hmm. and him show Elrond his plan. Um, but the only way that I can really see that happening is if it turns out that like Sauron is a completely like off camera presence that we just haven't gotten to see yet, <clears throat> which is possible because like Adar said that he was going around trying to heal Middle Earth's hurts. Like maybe he's just been in a region this whole time and we just haven't seen him yet. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like getting to the rings next episode. I, I feel like there needs to be more build up to it. it like, yeah. yeah. Showing off designs or ideas somehow. Uh, I think that'd be fine. But if, if at the end of the episode, it's just like, Hey, we made a bunch of rings. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> this... you'd be jumping a bunch of steps of uh, describing how important it is. I agree that it feels more like a second season thing. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of weird because the show is named Rings of Power. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like how they came to be created. And so like, yeah. I get it. Um, but, but it, it would be nice to have at least a nod towards where it's going. Yeah. Kind of like the Balrog. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that we could take a significant step towards that. Uh, even if it happened like halfway into the next season. Um, so what, what are, what would you say are the big events that still need to happen before the last Alliance? Um, like, like the end of the second, you mean like the actual last, the, the alliance, end of the series. Alliance? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the rings have to be forged. That's like the, uh-huh. the big one. Um, Sauron has to go back to Mordor and like openly establish himself as like the Lord of all the, of, of Mordor. Um, the Numenorians have to come back, capture him, take him back to Numenor. Like, I don't know, some yeah. of this ends up being like spoilers if people haven't read the books. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that have to still happen before the Last Alliance. Mm. Yeah, I guess they need to start zipping through it then. <laughs> How long? I mean, there are, I, I feel like there are five seasons of show. That, that, yeah. Like four, four more seasons of of, of show that, that they can do without having oh, to. I'm- I'm saying it sounds like that there are more than that, potentially. (laughs) Like, I know they're only doing five, but it seems like just from what little you've described, it feels like they need to start checking off some boxes. Yeah, and I kind of stopped partway through there because I felt like I was spoiling things. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's like a season four thing. Yeah, the... um... I, I really want to see more of like Linden and Aregion. I feel like we haven't seen a whole lot of of like Gilgalad and Celebrimbor. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm I, I'm sure that we'll probably get more of them once we're actually getting to like the rings of power of this show. Um. But I do want to see more of them because they're kind of important characters. Mm-hmm. That this definitely feels possible, mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. But it just it would feel weird to not have had. Uh, Anatar or a character throughout the season to have that revelation, but maybe maybe it is an elf that's just been like hanging around in all of the <laughs> the previous scenes. Maybe I we'll do. get a moment where it's like, uh, it was we get like an Agatha moment. It was Agatha all along, uh, but for <laughs> it was Anatar all along. <laughs> he starts singing and kills a puppy and. I, I do kind of like that suggestion because it would also explain like, oh, Celebrimbor's been talking to this guy for a while. Mm-hmm. He probably also suggested the giant tower forge project in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, 
It makes sense. Yeah, I think that could work. Yeah. But well, we'll I mean, but we know that him. we know that he can't go ahead and just make the Elven Rings because one of at least one of them is made out of Mithril, and they don't have any Mithril yet. So mm-hmm. Elrond okay. has a good chunk. No, well, he, he left gave it that with, back. Uh, oh, he Aaron. did give it. Back. Oh wait. I think he did walk out with it. Oh, I think, did he? I yeah, think he did. He, he left it with Durin. Out, yeah. Because I had he been thinking before, the he gave it, happened. before he gave it back to Durin, I had been thinking, like, maybe Elrond's going to hold on to this, and this is going to be the piece of Mithril that becomes one of the three elven rings. That makes sense now. <laughs> and I do like that the storylines are starting to converge more and more. Like, we're going to get Halbrand and Galadriel probably meeting up with Gilgalad and Elrond and Celebrimbor, like if everyone just converges on a Region. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, and in the books, Sauron like hates Gilgalad a lot. <laughs> and like Gilgalad kind of uh Gilgalad and Galadriel are two of the people that never trust Anatar from the beginning. Mm. Um and so I'd be interested to see if they actually do portray that in the show. Yeah, um, that that would be another reason for it to not be Halbrand. Yeah. Um All right. <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm well, I'm also really curious to see what they do with with Casa Doom. Um cuz like going by the timeline from the books, the the Balrog shouldn't wreck Casa Doom until like after the last alliance. Oh, really? Um yeah, it's that's later. So I'm curious. They'll they'll probably move that up. I w- I'm thinking, but you know, I would like to see the dwarves be part of the last alliance, though. Also, because I think they were supposed to be. Oh, were they? Yeah, they just weren't really shown off in the prologue. There, there weren't very many of them there. I wish, if I, if I wish... I'm remembering right, maybe I'm thinking of a different thing from the books. But I wish there were more dwarven characters that we are getting to know a little bit more. Cause right now it's really just Duran, his father and his wife. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just kind of there. I it feels like outside of, of like the Hobbit. The... Yeah. Dwarves don't really get the spotlight very much. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see more of the, um, the singing to the mountain thing. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Also, yeah, there's there's a lot of story with the dwarves that happens like off screen, like during Lord of the Rings, um, that I was always sad we didn't get to see. Um, like in in the Lord of the Rings, there's actually a messenger that gets sent from Mordor that offers them the three ex- still existent dwarven rings that Sauron had recovered, um, if they would um, if they would help him him find Bilbo uh, and and bring him the One Ring. And they were like refused to help and all this. Like, there's a lot of there is some cool hmm. dwarven storyline stuff that happens in like the later story that we just don't see. That is cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a good stopping place for today's episode, and we'll have the season finale on this coming Friday, and then we'll talk about it next Sunday as well, just like this time, six p.m. Eastern. Um, yeah. Thanks everyone for watching along. Uh, Ashton, would you like to plug Slam Sector? Because you're on it tomorrow, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be on Slam Sector tomorrow. We're um we're actually playing the the 40k themed Magic the Gathering set that just came out. We're gonna play a uh, a four player commander game of that, so that'll be fun. Um yeah, but yeah, that's Slam Sector. I I want to say we're doing that at 
sometime in the evening. I think like seven o'clock or something. I don't know. Not really sure. <laughs> well, I have a link to the channel in the description <laughs> so, you, so people can check it out. If you're Warhammer fans, uh, our, our, our friends over at Slam Sector have started a new channel and they're streaming every Monday. Um, but that's it for us today. Molly and I will be back on Wednesday for no ifs and or buts to talk about Andor episode six and the end of the second arc. But yeah, that's it. Thanks everyone for watching. And I forget what, what were we supposed to say last week? That's like, instead of may the force be with you. And then Molly said something dumb and I hit in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we but should was... end all of our streams. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, it's something dumb. <laughs> <laughs> may you uh, always have exploding seeds planted within your wounds <laughs> i was gonna broadcast. suggest if you own a vehicle with less than two hundred thousand miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all listen up CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.